What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hey, good morning, church family. Brad White here, men's pastor at New Vision. I'm excited to be with you today for our podcast. Today we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second son was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gains and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as the other nations have. But when they had said this, Give us a king, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not that they have rejected you, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day that I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what a king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all of these words of the Lord to the people who were asking for the king. He said, This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take for you your sons and make them his servants with chariots and horses who will run in front of his chariots. Some will be assigned as commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others will plow the ground and reap the harvest, and still others will make weapons for war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and your donkeys he will take for his own. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king that you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you on that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like other nations, with a king to lead us, to go out before us, to fight our battles. When Samuel heard all of this that the people had said, he repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, Everyone go back to your own town. So just a quick recap here. This is a custom that the person who was the judge would have typically appointed their sons as their successors. But because of the perversion of Samuel's sons. The elders step in and they want to rectify this situation on their own. And so their solution is they ask for a king. Samuel is frustrated by this. He takes that frustration. He gives it to the Lord and the Lord gives this unlikely response to actually give them what they have asked for. The Lord reminds Samuel that the people here are not rejecting Samuel, but they are rejecting the Lord. The people already had a king. They had the king of kings, in fact. But what they saw was that other nations had a physical king leading them, and they really wanted to be just like the other nations. Samuel lays it out on the line for them. He tells them, if you have a king, here's all the things that will happen. Here's all the things that the king will take from you. In essence, you will have a king who takes, and you will be losing a king who gives. 
people don't care. They, in spite of everything that Samuel is saying to them, the warnings that he has given them, the burdens that will come, they have made up their mind. They believe that they know what's best for them. They want a physical king to actually lead them into battle and to go in front of them. And so in this story, the children of Israel yet again settle for a substitute. They replace God with a man. And this, sadly, wasn't the first time that the children of Israel had rejected God. In Exodus chapter 32, the children of Israel are actually making a physical idol. They're substituting God for a golden calf while Moses is up getting the Ten Commandments. When he comes back down, Aaron has melted all of the jewelry and the gold from all of the women and formed this golden calf, and the children of Israel are worshiping this thing. And I can read a story like this and, and to be honest, begin to kind of judge them and think like, do they not remember what God did for them and how he actually brought them into the promised land and how God has continued to provide for them uh, within the establishment in the promised land? Do they not remember the signs and miracles that took place that led them to this point? And I would guess that none of us have ever melted down any jewelry and made a golden calf or made any image and chose to, to worship it. However, I would guess that at some point in your life, and there have been points in my life, that I have taken something else and put it in God's rightful place. See, the Bible would define these substitutes as idols. The simplest, easiest definition of an idol is anything that takes God's rightful place. Idols can be good things. They can be amoral things like money. Money is neither good nor bad. They can be good things like our jobs. They can be good things like our family or kids. But when something that is a good thing becomes the greatest thing, at that point it becomes a sinful thing. Author Tim Keller says this, Idolatry is always the reason I ever do anything wrong. Why is it that I lie or fail to keep promises or to live unselfishly? The specific answer is always there is something besides Jesus that I feel I must have to be happy. Something is more important to my heart than God. The secret to change is always to identify the idols of the heart. Man, that is a powerful, powerful quote. See, here's the thing. God had always planned to send a king to rescue, but it wasn't in the way that the children of Israel expected God sent his son, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to rescue them and us from our sins. Colossians 1.15 says that God sent his son Jesus as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, through his life, his perfect obedience, his sacrificial death on the cross for our sins, through his resurrection from the dead, Jesus began to restore the fullness of God's image in us. So before we can truly crown him king of our lives, first and foremost, we have to dethrone ourselves and we have to dethrone our idols, those things that we have put in God's rightful place. And that starts by releasing those deep idols of pride and admitting our brokenness and seeing our need for a savior. So maybe the question that you're pondering right now is, how do I know if I have an idol? Well, I have a thought. I think if we follow our money, and we follow our time, we will find the thing that we are truly worshiping. See, idols are always built on lies. They will always overpromise and they will always underdeliver. They'll always leave us wanting more. But the problem is that oftentimes idols come from legitimate sources. They come from legitimate desires, such as 
food and, and sex. But when these things become the greatest thing, when we go to those things in our moment of deepest need, that is when we can really know that something might be an issue. Let me give you an example. Maybe you and your spouse have just had an argument and you're frustrated and you're feeling sad and you go to the counter and you grab the pack of Oreos and you eat the whole thing. Well, that might be a prime indication that food is an idol for you because you're going to that thing to get comfort. See, God wants to be your source of comfort. God wants to be that deepest source of meeting your deepest needs. And so what is it that you're running to when there's stressors, when there's times of difficulty? I think that when we pause and ponder and think about these things, it will reveal the things that maybe we have put in front of God. So I'm going to pray for us today. I hope that you're able to take a moment to really sit back and think about Do you have any idols that are sitting in God's rightful place? Have you settled for a substitute? God, we love you. We thank you for a chance that we have to be in your word. God, I pray that we would have an honest conversation with you and with ourselves. God, that we would be able to see, do we have you in your rightful spot? Are you crowned as king over our life? God, we give today to you, praying that you will move and work through it as only you can. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.